Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at Roth consulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Clint Brown, the owner of the Florence Freedom baseball team. Thanks for joining us, Clint. Thank you for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. Good. Before we get started, let me tell everyone what's going to be coming up on the agenda. Tomorrow's show, we're going to have Patrick Clemmicks from Pinnacle Solutions Group, an IT consulting company. Next Thursday, we're going to have Majid Samurai Gandhi. He's the owner of Triton Services, a mechanical contractor up in Mason. And then on a week from tomorrow, we're going to have Jeff Betts from Landmark Insurance Agency. Then we're going to have Bob Tate from Axiom Consulting on August 1st. And we're going to have a real interesting guy, Ryan Walker, from a company called Differential. They're a software development company that helps startups by taking a percentage of the company for completing their software. We're going to have a a special program on August 9th. We're going to have Jimmy Fox, who is one of the directors of Tip Club. I actually run the Tip Club here in Cincinnati, and the next Tip Club meeting is August 15th at 7.30 a.m., but on the 9th of August, Jimmy is going to talk about Tip Club, and then we're going to have Dean Gregory, the owner of Montgomery and Boathouse, to talk about his business on August 15th, and we have some special people coming up after that. Let me tell you about some other special things coming up in Cincinnati. We have the Cold Call Camp coming up next week on July 24th. There's still a couple of places for that. That's for people who are expected to make cold calls. You don't have any cold people making cold calls for the Florida Sure we student. do. You might want to send them to the cold call camp so they learn how to get by gatekeepers, get contact on the phone, build three superior scripts for the contact, and then five ways to break other people's voicemail that forces them to call you back. And then we should have time to actually make live the goal is to have two hours to make live cold calls, record the calls, and then debrief what happened to see how close you stay at the formula and what the success ratios are. It's not unusual using uh, our methods here at Sandler to get 70% to get through to the people that you dial when you include the people who called you back. Then we have an interesting program for company owners and presidents on August 14th out at the Clovernook Country Club. This program is called Are You a Hunter or a Farmer? 
as a sales professional, as a company owner, what do you need in your company, hunters or farmers? Hey, I'll take hunters. Me too. There are businesses, and we have a, an extremely large account here in Cincinnati, where their people are primarily farmers, get more business from the existing accounts, take a bigger share of the market, uh, and occasionally steal someone else's major account. That's going to be a great program. There is a $25 fee on that that runs August 14th. It's a luncheon program from 1130 to 1 p.m. This is a high-level networking event. Okay, let me tell everyone about Clint. Clint came to Cincinnati in early 1980 when he accepted a position as VP of Marketing with a small marketing research company in downtown Cincinnati, where he worked for a while before he started his own firm. In 1988, you founded Alliance Research, headquartered in Crestview Hills, Kentucky. The primary business focus involved in the measurement, consulting on customer satisfaction for many nationally known clients like Gateways, McDonald's, Sprint, Sears, IBM, PetSmart, and PNC. By the late 90s, uh, the company was one of the largest 20 firms like that, and he had satellite offices in Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, with a full-time staff of over 100 people. Uh, generated over $17 million in annual uh, revenue. Alliance received two Crescendo Awards, uh, 93 and 95, for, and both Marketing News and Ad Age featured uh, as one of the fastest-growing companies, uh, recognized as one of the top-area employers, and won the 1997 United Way Corporate Spirit of Volunteerism Award based on the work with the Brighton Center in Newport, Kentucky. 1999, Catalina Marketing acquired the company. Clint remained with the firm until president until July of 2002 when he retired at the ripe old age of 48. That's correct. Okay. Clint purchased the Lawrence Freedom out of bankruptcy in 2005. Nine seasons later, the Florence Freedom organization has been recognized for their successes both on the field and off the field. Let me uh, tell the folks about some of the awards. In 2005, Florence Freedom Organization of the Year. Frontier League. Frontier League, FL. Right. Frontier League. In 2007, awarded the Frontier League All-Star Game. Played That's here. correct. In 2009 through 2011, Cincinnati's Best Entertainment Value. That was by uh, NKU's Entertainment Survey. So the prices are reasonable. Very much so. Yeah, it's a family entertainment venue. I've gone out to a couple of games in fact, I'm going out to a, another game in August. In 2012, you finished as the runner-up in the Frontier League. That was the second. Place. First time we'd ever made the playoffs. Oh, really? Very exciting year for us, absolutely. Okay. How are you doing this year? We're one game out of first place. Okay. One game out of first place. Correct. At the All-Star break. Okay. So right now, if the season were to end, we'd be the number three seed in the tournament. Hmm. you got to come in first. <laughs> we feel pretty good about actually making the playoffs after eight years of not. That's great. That's great. Clinton's married, has the three children. And your wife, Kim, serves as the, the Freedom's Assistant General Manager and Director of Operations. Prior to coming to Northern Kentucky, Clint was born and raised in Indiana, graduated from Indiana University with a B.S. in marketing in 76. And Not a Kentucky native, born Indiana. and bred in Indiana. My parents both went to U.K., so I've, I guess uh, I've got that uh, bluegrass heritage going on. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a first question. What does a successful marketing research agency owner get into his head to buy a baseball team out of bankruptcy? 
Well, I was in uh, fantasy baseball before it was cool, Mike. Uh, okay. So, you know, market research guys like, stati- like statistics. So baseball has always been a good match for me. Played baseball in high school, played softball in my 40s. Uh, red season ticket holder forever. Mm-hmm. I've always been a huge baseball fan first and foremost. So from that standpoint, I don't think any of my friends were shocked that I got involved uh, with the Florence Freedom when I did. Um, the way my career ended in uh, June, July, 2002, um, I was pretty much 48 years of age and two kids still in grammar school. So it was a little, little premature to start traveling the world and, and really be in retirement. I had a three-year non-compete. So the plan all along was to view it more of as a sabbatical mm-hmm. and uh, re-enter the industry after about three years. But as that date drew nearer, you have to think this was right around 9-11, mm-hmm. the world had changed. A little bit of a recession happened in there. True, but it was more a matter of did I really want to go back and work 70-hour uh, weeks, travel over the country, manage 100 employees. Um, th- those are Those are – I had wonderful experiences. I would not trade in the – 10, 12, 14 years I had with Alliance Research for any experience ever. But I was ready for something different. I actually watched some of my friends take early retirement from P&G and actually pursue a second career and maybe a hobby, like mm-hmm. photography or what mm-hmm. have you. And uh, I was impressed uh, by that. So I started looking around. And frankly, what I what I did, I'm a list maker, and I came up with about 10 attributes for what my next career would be like and had no idea what it would be. But uh, those attributes were things like something that fueled one of my passions, something that allowed to force me to travel through airports all the time, something that I could get my family involved with, something that kept my winners free because I like to play golf and, and go to sunny destinations in the winter. Uh, there was just a number of these different attributes, and I had no idea what it was pointing to until the uh, the freedom came about. And as one of my friends pointed out, it, it answered all the all 10 of the attributes. All 10. Shockingly, this bankrupt, defunct baseball team, embarrassment of a baseball team, met all my criteria. I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek because I didn't include the criteria that I not go broke doing it or I not go to prison like the previous ownership did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess they started off down the wrong road. I was not involved in the team when it first got started. I, I, I think it was a wonderful idea. A couple of the minority partners are very good people, and, and uh, Cincinnati – born and bred, true believers, and didn't want to be actively involved with the business. So they found a managing partner who was willing to put up the collateral for the note. They jumped on it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this gentleman ended up being, well, eventually, I guess it's not allegedly, he was actually convicted uh, and went to prison. And the whole thing came apart like a house of cards. The first year was a disaster. Mm -hmm. While the stadium was being built, bills weren't being paid, money disappeared, Mm -hmm. mechanics liens filed. I think there were around 40. And that's when I entered into the scene. Now, there were, I guess, about a half a dozen or so entities out looking to buy uh, the freedom, and I was simply one of those. And I think my consulting background helped out a little bit because I listened quite a bit in the beginning about what these various entities that were victim victimized, I guess, by this, this scoundrel, what they thought it was going to take to make it right, mm-hmm. and tried to put together a package that had a little bit for everybody. So and who actually uh, decided that, that you – we're going to be the buyer. Well, it was a very complex process because by the time I got involved, the uh, entity was in bankruptcy. So ultimately, it was the bankruptcy court. But ultimately, what had to happen is all the various um, creditors had to be satisfied with the arrangement. So I, I, and the way bankruptcy law works, as I understand it, is 
every mechanics lien had to be settled. Mm-hmm. And it had to be essentially the same package for everybody. You couldn't treat anybody differently. Mm-hmm. So we had to convince all these various contractors that this was the best deal on the table and that they should take it. Ultimately, we did. The city of Florence was also had a, a, a major say in that. And having been burned once, I think they were very cautious with me. I, I was uh, fingerprinted and had a criminal background check conducted. I was exposed to some things I didn't know actually happened in the real world. Uh, but came out clean on the other side, of course. And mm-hmm. uh, eventually, they they decided I was the right guy. And once they partnered with me, the rest of the uh, dominoes started to fall into place. Okay. And ultimately, the bankruptcy court awarded the uh, the entity to me. That's great. That's great. We're going to take a uh, commercial break here, and after we listen to uh, Jimmy Fox talk about Tip Club, the next meeting is August fifteenth. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. If you'd like to reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the events tab. Then just scroll down the list of events until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 1-800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you on the 18th. Mike Roth and Clint Brown. Clint, after the show, if someone has a question for you or wants to get more information about the team, how do they do that? Phone number is 859-594-HITS, H-I-T-S, or 4494, I think that is. 859-594-4487, excuse me, 4487-HITS. That's great. That's great. Yeah, You guys have a good website, though. Tell them what that is. FlorenceFreedom.com. Very simple. One word. FlorenceFreedom.com. Uh, can they buy tickets on the website? They sure can. We have an online uh, store, walks office, that allows you to pick whatever seats you want. Good. Uh, so for those of those listeners who haven't been to the Florence Freedom Stadium, why don't you tell the uh, the folks about the field? Well, it's a great little ballpark. It was built in 04. It uh, has about 3,100 seats in the bowl, big wide concourses, lots of areas for a group 
um, entertainment, which we refer to as hospitality areas, uh, a two-level uh, stadium. So you have hospitality suites. Hospitality suites, both enclosed and outside. Uh, various options for groups of any size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a, a turf field, which means that not only do we have 48 Freedom Games every season, we have about 100 other events going on during the course of the season. Yeah, that's not real grass out there. There's nothing alive out there at all. It is everything's turf, including the mound and the base pass. So that's not real grass. That is not real grass. It looks gorgeous, though, doesn't it, from the stands? Oh, man, it looked great when I was out there a couple of weeks ago. And it looks great in January, too. That's the that's the big difference. Well, that's a big plus. We play college baseball in March. We play high school baseball in April. Uh, we have youth baseball tournaments every weekend. The team's not in town. And, of course, we have 48 Freedom Games. And this year we even have three concerts where uh, the stage is actually set up around second base. So it is a uh, significant entertainment venue. So do you... Is the concert after a game? Not connected with the game at all. In fact, the team's on the road. Uh, this is a relatively major uh, production in that we're putting a 60-foot stage out on second base. It takes 24 hours basically to set it up and do the sound check. So okay. you don't have the time to do it after a game. Okay. And how many people do you put in the stadium for a concert? We've had as many as 4,700. It, it, uh, the stadium bowl wraps very nicely around the stage. There's not a bad seat in the house. We'll set up about uh, 1,000 to 2,000 folding chairs on the field itself, which ends up, ends up uh, being essentially the VIP section, the floor seats. Okay, that's, that's great. Oh, it's uh, it's just a wonderful venue. Sounds great. Uh, everybody is just uh, spellbound by every performer we have. Yeah, you know, when I, when I went to the game, I was sitting behind, uh, uh, well, almost directly behind, uh, home plate, and uh, you know, I don't know if we were 50 feet from the batter. Well, there's only 15 rows, and you know, in the seating bowl, so you are very close to the action. And of course, that's part of the beauty of minor league baseball in general is you're a lot closer to the action. Uh, kids get autographs from players very readily. Uh, oh, I saw a lot of the little kids. Oh, absolutely. The players uh, were cooperative. This and is this is what minor league baseball is about. It really captures the young baseball uh, fan much earlier in age than it does a major league product. I mean, my son's 17 now, but it wasn't too long ago that I had to drag him to a Reds game. You know, he was mm-hmm. six or seven. He had no interest in being chained to the chair next to Dad, and I can only afford to feed him so much. <laughs> you take a seven-year-old boy to a, a, a minor league game or a freedom game, and they're going to have the time of their lives. They're running around the whole stadium. There's a beautiful kid zone. They're chasing down foul balls. Yeah, Some of the kids a, are actually playing baseball out in the grass turf. Right. It was a, a great kid's entertainment zone. It really is. Uh, for parties. I saw that. Uh, but you know what I also saw? I was out there on a Thursday night. Uh, about half of the fans weren't actually sitting around in their sa- their seats wa- watching the game. And they were standing on the concourse. They were standing on the concourse talking to, an, to one another, networking, meeting their friends and neighbors, uh, enjoying a, a dollar beer or a dollar ice cream. It was... <laughs> It's like the community baseball park. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, certainly the secret to our success is everybody has a lot of fun when they're there, and it's not always the fun created by us. A lot of them are just seeing people they haven't seen in a while, reconnecting. Very social experience of Florence Freedom Game. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the operative word there was uh, much more fun than going to a Reds game. Well, I'm a big Reds fan, and I appreciate the major league. No, don't get me wrong. We're very we're just a very different execution of baseball. I mean, I, I, this comes up from time to time, and you know, my response to that is that mom and dad and the two kids, five and seven, really can only afford to go to so many major league games during the course of a year. And, and the kids can only 
handle so much of that kind of, of baseball. Well, if you're going to drop over 100 bucks, bringing a family to a Reds game. Well, the Reds do a great job in terms of value. I'm not arguing, but at the end of the day, we sell beer for what they charge for water. So a very different price point in terms of tickets. You know, our tickets are almost all $10 or less. Concessions are very affordable. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, we're competing more with uh, putt-putt and going to the movies than we are the Reds. Yeah, well, you, you're, you're a family entertainment venue, uh, that provides a good value. Absolutely. And uh, that was that was what I saw when I was there, and I actually enjoyed the game, too. Uh, <laughs> well, the baseball is actually much better than people realize. We're actually a second-chance professionals league. A lot of these guys have played high A, double A, and been released. Uh-huh. They got hurt. Uh, somebody coming up from behind them had more money invested in them, so they get released. They come to leagues like ours to try to get re-signed. We just had a major uh, success story in that uh, Steve Delavar from the Toronto Blue Jays just made the Major League American League uh, roster for the All-Star Game, and Steve Delavar pitched for the Freedom a few years back. Really? We've got a couple of guys who made it to the Major Leagues. That's the first one who's actually made an All-Star Game. That's great. Uh, you video all the games, right? We do. And how are they broadcast? Uh, we do on radio. Uh, we also uh, have it online as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of the biological parents who are all over the country really enjoy listening to the game. And the best way they can do it is simply go to the Florence Freedom website and click on Listen Live, and, and they hear the radio announcer. Okay. And when, it, when the game is running live, uh, can they watch their kids or watch the team? We don't video cast. Okay. Uh, we have played around with that technology, and it can be done. But uh, this year we're not doing that. Okay. Uh, I can understand why. <laughs> well, it's, you know, the problem is the revenue stream. It's pretty expensive to, to produce the equipment and bring mm-hmm. the staffing in to run it, and there's not a good revenue stream. We don't feel good about charging the parents for watching their kids play. Uh, so we just haven't been able to – the technology is there, and, and we can make it happen. The question is how do we pay for it? Sure, sure. Uh, what do you think uh, the Florence Freedom unique marketing advantage is it? Well, it depends on the context. Uh, you know, it's funny because we're we have – some elements of our business that involve selling business to business, season tickets, group sales, advertising. But there's also a retail component of our business. So we're selling tickets to people who walk up. I noticed you have a lot of uh, corporate sponsorship at the stadium. In fact, I was surprised how much you were able to achieve. Well, from a sponsorship standpoint, we had a, a terrific year this off season, And I think part of that was making the playoffs and generating some credibility in the, the local media who, who uh, reported our success quite a bit. Uh, in a big media market, especially a major league market like Cincinnati, it is very difficult to get a share of voice for our little team. So it was a nice breakthrough when we made the playoffs last year, and I think that translated into some doors opening in the off season that hadn't opened in the past. Uh, of course, we are uh, a non-traditional advertising venue, and, and we like to have fun with our sponsors. So uh, one of the, the more significant and long-time sponsors we have is a gentleman by the name of Mike's Glass. That's a glass replacement firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentleman has been a sponsor since the get-go, and, and um, we have a lot of fun with our sponsors, as I said. And in his case, he sponsors foul balls. And you think to yourself, why would anybody want to sponsor a foul ball? Well, every time a ball flies out of the ballpark, you hear the sound of crashing glass and a voice that comes on, if it breaks or cracks, call Jacks. It is the kind of uh, slogan that our entire fan base has memorized. It plays every foul ball. Every foul ball. Every foul ball that flies out of the ballpark. Okay. All my, my sponsor prospects come to us and they say, I want one like Jacks. 
So that's what our staff's responsibility is, to try to come up with some really creative ways of delivering the sponsor's message. Now, now when I got to the ballpark, watching the first inning, there was some guy standing in the outfield in, inside of what I would have called a scoreboard area. Tell us, tell, tell the, our listeners about that. Well, I, did I say we have a try to have fun with our sponsors? This is a particularly fun one. We have the Velcro wall. It is actually hanging just outside the outfield wall, literally three feet from uh, uh, hanging above the outfield wall with a Velcro suit. A chain, guy. A, a gentleman, a fan, a volunteer. Yes. And should he catch a home run ball during the course of the game, he wins a significant prize. In the past, it's been sponsored by a, a Chevy dealer, so he'd won a new truck. Hmm. This year, it's sponsored by Rossi Fireworks, a local fireworks uh, fireworks company, so you would get a $10,000 private fireworks show should wow. he win that. So he's, he's Velcroed to the wall just outside. <laughs> just outside the outfield wall. And so if we've had – nobody's actually ever caught a home run ball sitting there, but mm-hmm. we've come darn close. We had a guy who, if you know, his hands are hanging up, they're chained up around his ears with a glove, and there's only so much flexibility, and the ball actually hit his left hand. The problem is he was left-handed, so the glove was on his right hand. Oh. And we had another one where it hit between his hand and his ear. If he had had any any athletic ability whatsoever, he'd be driving a new truck. Wow. So, a lot of fun. So how, how does one win the opportunity to wear the Velcro suit? You know, honestly, the rules are different for every promotion, and I, I really don't know what they are for that particular one, but we get volunteers for all 48 games. Really? And the same guy stands uh, stands out there in the Velcro suit in the sun. And you have to appreciate the fact that that is in the part of the building where the sun sets last. So they are facing the sun pretty much the entire game, and they don't come down. They don't get a drink. They don't go to the bathroom until about the seventh inning. Then they're, then they're off duty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that, that's an interesting uh, promotional item. Uh, in, in, inside your organization, how many employees do you have besides uh, the, the actual team? Well, year-round full-time employees, we number under 10. Okay. Our ranks swell to about 40 in the, in the season through uh, a series of uh, returning seasonal employees, and we hire about 20 or 25 interns every summer who end up taking on significant roles during the summer. So I refer to it as our virtual organization uh, is about 50 strong in season. Mm-hmm. So the, these were the the, uh, the young people, the college students that I saw around the stadium. They all wear shirts, identify themselves as an intern, but uh, by this point in time, they're experts on our business, mm-hmm. uh, know every facet of it. Uh, we count on them a great deal. Mm-hmm. When they start in May, they're, they, they, the first thing we do is give them a paintbrush and they start painting. Uh, but then they get exposed to ticket sales, the box office, various promotions, the food and beverage business. It is a wonderful way, frankly, for a college student who's trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives to learn whether the sports industry is, is for them. Mm-hmm. And the secret uh, is that generally none of us uh, major or minor league professional sports will hire anybody without that internship. So it's essentially a, uh, a must-have on right. the resume. Right. Clint has agreed to uh, take questions from anyone in the audience. Uh, the call-in number is 646-595-4916. And before we take another commercial break where we can screen the calls, I'll ask Clint one more question. Uh, tell us about what your sales team looks like. A lot of people are interested in sales. Well, we're a young organization. Our uh, our general manager is 28 years of age. He's been in the business since he was a senior in college, so he's got eight years of experience. He actually started as a radio broadcaster for one of the teams in the league, but mm-hmm. learned pretty quickly that uh, 
that's a competitive field, and if he wanted to put food on the table, he had to do something other than just broadcast games three months out of the year. So he moved into the front office and sold corporate sales and, and found out he was pretty good at it. Very creative fellow. Uh, was a good fit for the kind of uh, corporate advertising sponsorship sale that uh, that we that we try to uh, um, put in front of our clients. And uh, he made a name for himself as the director of corporate sales. And then... Um, so he was in a different city. He was in a different city. He came to us and became our director of corporate sales and our radio broadcaster under our former general manager. And our former general manager was a real sharp young lady uh, who ended up getting a job in the Cal Ripken organization, which is more or less the Procter & Gamble of minor league baseball. Mm -hmm. So once she left, uh, Josh Anders in his name, Josh was uh, promoted to general manager and has, uh, has grown into the job very nicely. Very skilled young man. It's great to have a, a good guy like that. Again, if you have a question for Clint, you can call in on 646-595-4916. Let's listen to a, a couple of Sandler commercials. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513 646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Clint Brown from the Lawrence Freedoms. Uh, Clint, what do you think the opportunities and possibilities are for uh, your team? You're referring to from a sales standpoint? Sales, business development. How much growth can you get out of the team? Well, you know, it's a difficult question to answer from the standpoint of we have always viewed ourselves as a Northern Kentucky entity, and in the last couple of years, we've recognized that, frankly, we're a part of the greater Cincinnati community. So we have changed most of our media buying habits. We have watched our ticket sales, um, uh, retail ticket sales, uh, expand with Cincinnati um, uh, customers. We, we count license, license plates every night, so we know where everybody came from and helps us get really good feedback on how our advertising investment is paying off. Really? So, so I, I, you don't pay, 
you don't pay for parking like you have to do at the Red Stadium. No, our parking's free for every event we have, whether it's a concert or a baseball game. But uh, one of well, our interns is involved with the market research part of our business, and <laughs> one of his many duties is counting license plates so we can get a handle on where our business, where our customers are coming from. So what have you discovered? Uh, well, but it's paying off. And uh, from the standpoint on the weekends, about a third of our audience comes from Cincinnati. They cross the river. Now, mm-hmm. um, that's that's welcome news for us because we have partnered with a number of different Cincinnati media now instead of just Northern Kentucky. Now, uh, I can't tell you a lot about them. We do a handful of demographic surveys and what have you, so we know a little bit about those individuals. But for us, it's gratifying to see over the last three years that on the weekends, our penetration in Cincinnati has doubled. You know, it's interesting. A few years ago, we did a, a major project with the Shreveport captains who became the Shreveport Swamp Dragons, and their demographic was Louisiana license plates versus Dallas, Texas license plates. Sure. Of course, they had the advantage of having the casino in town, too. Right. But it was the uh, same kind of thing. But there they had 50% Texas license plates. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there are any obstacles to uh, the growth of the team? Well, there are always challenges. Um, you know, there's this, this is a very um, entertainment-savvy marketplace. There's lots to do. Every weekend, there's various competition. I, I joke with our our fellow owners in the league that my number one competition is the Catholic faith because there's a church festival, a parish festival every weekend, and that's mm-hmm. where mom and dad and the two kids go, and they're tough competition. Uh, so, you know, I, we have several teams in the league who don't have anywhere near the caliber of entertainment options that we have here in Cincinnati, and, and those guys do wonderfully, and it, it just it, it's it somewhat... Uh, Sour grapes for us to say it, but uh, we work very hard, and yet our attendance may be half of what another team, I'll give you an example, a team in Marion, Illinois, uh, Southern Illinois Miners, beautiful ballpark. Mm-hmm. But they are essentially the only game in town during the summer, so they average 5,000 people a game. We're averaging about 22, 23. Now, mm-hmm. we work very hard for those 22 or 2,300 people. Uh, we do uh, 40% of our answers group sales, which are sold you know, in the winter months. Uh, the Miners have virtually no group sales people on their on their uh, on their staff. You know, they they welcome either season ticket holders or people individuals uh, individuals coming up and buying uh, uh, seats on a on a same day basis uh, for their five thousand a game. Mm-hmm. It just feels like we work very hard. We're sometimes very jealous of some of the other teams in our league and their success. Yeah, we had uh, in Shreveport some special obstacles. One was called the weather when it was a hundred degrees out there in September. Not many people wanted to come out to the game, so what we did was, was kind of crazy. We we threw the team's general offices and the president of the team's office out of the stadium. We took the air-conditioned space, turned it into uh, club seating, and we could sell another 500 seats right. in the air-conditioned space. Well, one of the obstacles we have is uh, you know several ways for us to generate revenue. Advertising, ticket sales are obvious ones, but... Uh, Concessions are another key part of it. And, of course, to get to our ballpark, you probably have to pass about 75 restaurants. So our per caps, that is the amount of money that is I spent per person. I counted. It wasn't 75. It, it might be more. No, I thought it was less. <laughs> now, if you told me 30, I'd, I'd buy 30. You didn't go on the other side of the highway next to the, the mall road where there are probably 75 restaurants there all by themselves. You're probably right. <laughs> but it's a big challenge for us because, for the most part, the families go and eat dinner, and then they come to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other ballparks in our league where there's not restaurants nearby, and so their per caps are considerably higher. It's one of our terrific challenges. Well, you know, when I was there, 
uh, I, I mean, I tried one of the the bratwursts, but I I also went over and had a steak sandwich, which I thought was kind of a, a rather excellent buy. The, uh, the the product we have we try to appeal to a lot of different uh, audiences over there. So we have the usual ballpark fare in our first base concession stand, but in the third base concession stand, it's hot grilled items. I mean things like you'd grill out in your backyard. Now they're a little more expensive, uh, but you know seven bucks uh, for you know the premium items that are over there. Yeah, I mean, it was a great uh, steak sandwich. My wife had the I think a chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was uh, pretty much wonderful to be able to get that kind of quality food at a ballpark right without uh by the way my wife is uh, runs a food and beverage uh, business so she'll be very gratified to hear you say that mike yeah and and, and the guys and ladies who are manning the stations excellent service well, I'm, ha- I'm happy to hear that you know what we've got to do is convince mom and dad and the two kids to not go to frisch's that particular night come over to the ballpark and have dinner with us we've got a couple of things that we're working on to try to to make that happen uh one we moved our game times up at 6 30 from seven o'clock the idea is to shorten that window from when mom, you know, dad or mom gets home from work uh, and then come out to the ballpark. The other reason for doing that, frankly, is that our games are three hours long often, and we had a lot of folks leaving in the seventh inning because they said they had to get home, get you know, get the kids to bed. So sure, sure. we thought that was kind of a do, a, you know, a, a, a double uh, uh, killing two birds with one stone, if you will. Uh, I thought the game started at 6.05. Am I wrong about that? No, you are correct. On Fridays, on Saturdays and Sundays, start at 6.05. The rest of the days of the week, they start at 6.35. Oh, okay. I guess the night I was there, uh, they had a leftover doubleheader, so something started at 5 o'clock, and I didn't get there for that first inning. Unfortunately, you mentioned the weather. It's rained all but two of our games so far this year, so we've had way more doubleheaders than we care to think about. And as if memory serves, you're right. You came in at... Six o'clock for probably we have two seven inning games when that when that occurs. So the first game was already played when you showed up. Well, it wasn't wasn't finished. It wasn't finished. Okay. <laughs> they, was, they were still working on them, uh, and uh, it it was kind of interesting to to be there for a, a, a doubleheader, which I didn't plan on. Uh, bonus baseball. Bonus ba- <laughs> bonus baseball. Yeah. Look, I, I didn't see anyone leaving. You know, I, but I wasn't doing a nose count, uh, and. Uh, and I, I did like the promotion, the dollar beer and the dollar ice cream. Do uh, you have a long-term strategic plan, being a, a business owner for a long time? Well, I do. Uh, you know, the teams in our league work together. Uh, I refer to that. I refer to it as coopetition. We compete on the field, okay, but we cooperate in every other aspect of the business. So these are 14 teams that run into the same challenges, and working together uh, and sharing our successes tends to be a very, in my mind, um, very quick and easy solution for growth. Uh, we get Somebody runs a promotion that's very successful, they share it with the league. Mm-hmm. So we're all running that promotion. What was the most promotion, successful promotion in the last year or so? Uh, oh, geez, you got me on the spot here. I mean, there are several promotions that have worked out great. I'll give you the best example, I guess. It was... Uh, uh, we started doing this a couple of years ago, which was our cancer night, which was to celebrate... Um, cancer survivors mm-hmm. and to honor those who did not survive but the method in which we do that instead of instead of just everybody buy tickets and and uh trying to support the promotion that way we actually went out and sold sponsorships modest sponsorships only a few hundred dollars to more mom and pop companies all over the region mm-hmm. and 
distribute tickets to them. So they get 50 tickets as part of their sponsorship fee, and those tickets in turn are then donated to cancer survivors and their families. So we end up selling the thing out, and the beauty is none of the cancer survivors that are being honored had to pay a dime. Hmm. for their tickets. That's great. That's worked out very nicely, and it's a great solution for us on a Tuesday or Wednesday night to have a full full ballpark on a Tuesday or Wednesday is a a luxury that most of us uh, would kill for. Sure, sure. How many sellouts did you have last season? I think we had three. Now, you have to understand there's there's two different kinds of sellouts for us. There's selling out the tickets in the the stadium bowl, which is the retail side, Mm -hmm. and then there's selling out the hospitality area. We sell out the hospitality areas almost every weekend. Uh, so mm. if uh, if you're a corporation wanting to do an outing for 50 or 100 people, our advice is you know to book it early. Plan in advance, yeah. We do tend to run out of hospitality space. Some of those spaces we have two and three of, but some we only have one of. You saw the party patio out in right field, right, right, which right. houses about 300 people, and we only do those one a night. There's only one one of those. Only one of those. And you only have like two or three of the air-conditioned hospitality suites with seats in front of them. There's actually four of there that, that can be divided into, you know, the, the space is one big space can be divided into one, two, three, or four enclosed suites. Yeah, those are wonderful spaces. Yeah, we added those in in 06 the year after I got there. So we're very happy with that space. That, that was a smart move. That, that was really a smart move. Again, Clint has uh, agreed to uh, answer questions from callers. The call-in number is 646 646- Five nine five four nine one six. One more question before we uh, we go for a break. Uh, what do you think your uh, potential business customers, the sponsors, are looking for? Well, I, I, you know, the feedback we get is that they're a they like working with a, uh, a hometown venue, if you will. They mm-hmm. like the fact that we have some fun with them and their products, and they like the fact that we include tickets in every one of our sponsorship packages. So they're able to offer hospitality benefit to their employees or to their customers. Uh, they come out to the ballpark, and that organization is being recognized there in many different ways, whether it be signage or between inning uh, contests or over the PA. Um, you know, we have a pretty good retention rate. Um, I would say it's, you know, it's borderline 85, 90% of our sponsors come back year after year. So when you saw, you know, what you saw last year, this last week was, uh, the culmination of several years worth of selling. So the the people that, that buy sponsorships continue to buy. Generally speaking, that is true. Uh, now this year for the first time or second time, we sold the stadium naming rights. And I'd be remiss if I did not mention that the University of Cincinnati Medical Center ended up acquiring the rights long-term to name the stadium. Uh, It was originally known as Champion Window Field for the first six years, and UC uh, Medical Center ended up acquiring those rights this year. So it's going to be known as the University of Cincinnati Medical Center Stadium for the next 10 years. That's a mouthful. It is. Or UCMC Stadium, as we like to call it. Okay. Well, that's that's much better. We're going to take a uh, another short commercial break here. I think what we'll do is listen to a San LaRule. We'll listen to San LaRule number San LaRule number 14. Hi, I'm Bob Sinton of Sandler Training. I'm here today to talk to you about rule number 14. A prospect who is listening is no prospect at all. 
You may have heard this before, but Dave Sandler told me a long time ago that you should follow the rule called 70-30 rule, where the client talks or the prospect talks 70% of the time, and you, the salesperson, talk 30% of the time. Most salespeople I run into in my 30 years of doing this understand that. The problem with it is how do you go about doing it? Well, most if not all salespeople know their features and benefits and the, uh, the power of what their company can provide clients. Um, so it's easy for them to uh, explain their features and benefits to a client. The problem with that is it doesn't necessarily elicit responses from a client. So what we have to train ourselves to do to be more successful and more professional is take your features and benefits and phrase it and structure it in such a way where it actually elicits a conversational response from your client. For example, a feature and benefit of your company may, may uh, include uh, you can reduce expenses and, and save them some overhead and, and save your client some money in the uh, long term or short term. Well, a lot of people can say that. That's on your website. It's on your brochure. A more effective way is to say, hey, Ed, can I ask you a question? Uh, what we've done with companies and individuals like yourself is help save them money with some software that helps them reduce expenses, uh, get rid of waste, and adds more money to their bottom line. Uh, do you have anything like that happening here? And if so, can you tell me a little bit about it? Um, what that question does is it obviously elicits initially a yes or no response, but then it quickly goes down the tunnel of what I like calling a conversational uh, dialogue, if you will, between salesperson and client, and you find yourself talking only 30% of the time, and the client ends up talking 70% of the time, and that creates a, a more of a win-win relationship. And that's Sandler rule number 14, a prospect who is listening is no prospect at all. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with Clint Brown, owner of the Florence Freedom. Clint, we have a, uh, a rule here that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Therefore, if you want to solve a complex problem, you have to apply an equally complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our listeners uh, a complex problem that you encountered at Florence Freedom or maybe one of the other owners in your league encountered, and you came up with an equally complex problem to solve it, and maybe even that solution methodology might work in a different industry. Boy, Mike, you know, we're a minor league baseball team. We're not, we're not really dealing with a lot of complexities. You know, my old organization in market research, market intelligence world, every day was a, was a complex problem. The problem is I signed confidentiality agreements, which are probably still in force. So I'm not really in a position to share those things with you. You know, I think the, uh, the, the generally the, the, the solutions that our clients are looking for is, um, if you're, uh, if you're running a, an organization and you want to have a summer outing, um, the complex problem, I don't think we have a complex problem here, but the, the, the challenge is how to get the most benefit out of that investment. A lot of times in the summer, the, uh, um, the first thing to get cut when the economy's down is that, is that summer outing. So the, the old company the summer, summer group picnic, outing, picnic, right? The yeah. summer picnic, and so in many cases we're challenged to say, "All right, justify this to me." Uh, my organization used to, my previous organization used to go to Coney Island quite a bit, and Coney Island is, you know, you, everybody talks about competition, our competition being the Reds. My competition is not the Reds. My competition is organizations like uh, anybody who's in the summer outing business. So mm -hmm. Coney Island's a competitor. And at Coney Island, uh, which and they do a wonderful job, but at the end of the day, you eat together, and then everybody disappears into the park. Mm -hmm. uh, for 
our solution in those cases is when you're in the ballpark, it's going to be three hours of togetherness. And what we're trying to sell is the idea of building that corporate family bond, uh, trying to get the senior manager now to interact with not only their employees in a social setting, but also their families to try to create them. the benefit being that that small investment you're making here is going to pay off down the road in greater employee retention. Mm-hmm. That's what we try to sell. Now, I don't think too many of your listeners are, are probably worried terribly uh, about those kind of challenges, but that's as complex as they get in my world these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in your world, you don't actually manage the team. You have a team manager that does that, or, or the players are divided out by the league. How does that work? Uh, well, we do have a manager. His name's Fran Reardon. He is the uh, Lou Pinella, Joe Torrey of the Frontier League, and that he's the winningest manager in the league. And he came to us three years ago, and uh, I delegate all baseball operations responsibilities to Fran. He makes all personnel decisions. So he not only manages the players, he chooses which players are going to be you know, on the team. Mm-hmm. That is fairly typical in independent baseball. Now, in affiliated minor league baseball, the player decisions are made by the major league organizations. That's right. I remember the San Francisco Giants made decisions for Shreveport. Exactly. Now, in our business, that's not the case. We have to, we're have to. we responsible for acquiring our own talent and deciding which players are going to make the team, which ones are going to be who are going to remain on the team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a manager decides where they're going to play. But in our case, our manager is also the director of player personnel, so he makes all those decisions. And I have learned, I'm a big fan, I like to talk to him before or after games about how players are doing and what have you, but I've learned those are his calls to make. How many players do you actually have on the roster? There's 24 kids on the roster. Now, during the course of the season, there's a lot of turnover. Really? Um, I would tell you that between 12 to 18 of those players are pretty much going to be the same guys from beginning to end, but those last four to eight spots in the rotation or in the, in the roster will turn over quite a bit from week to week. It's very much a what have you done for me lately kind of situation. Okay, so he's always getting resumes from potential players? It's not so much resumes as it is interest from players who are reaching out, especially now that with the major league draft over those college players who went undrafted, they're panicking. They want to play they need a place to play. And they're ready to play professional baseball and we're a likely place to start their career. So he's getting he's hearing from a lot of collegiate players right now. And he'll look up at their numbers and make a decision whether or not he wants to see them. We also have formal tryouts as well, both at the league level and at our our uh, field. But at this point, it's all limited to private tryouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps you can give our our, our listeners, uh, other CEOs and company owners like yourself, a leadership tip. You know, I think I've been in management now for gosh, 35 years, and uh, the last 10 or so working with particularly young people in the minor league baseball business has been kind of an interesting, eye-opening experience because in my previous world, everybody was very well-educated, highly experienced, very motivated, uh, you know, high-powered in terms of their tools and their ability to get things done. So getting out of their way was a very important mantra in my world. Um, I felt like my job was to help steer the boat, but, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody else paddled, everybody else played all the other key roles. I kind of pointed in a general direction, and they took us there. With the young folks, I was very involved in the beginning, thinking they were um, unskilled, inexperienced, uh, lacked the abilities to to run, you know, to, to steer the boat and to make the boat motor. And in the last few years, I realized that given the proper training, the proper mm-hmm. motivation, that even 
the young folks, as long as you can control the um, the impact of their mistakes, that giving them some latitude is the right way for them to grow. So my management tip is delegate not only responsibilities or, or tasks, but you know the entire set of responsibilities associated with uh, with an activity. I try to get out of I'm, he, my general manager knows when to involve me on a strategic level. But I get out of his way uh, and let him run the thing. Now, every once in a while, he'll stub his toe, and you know we'll both learn from the experience. But by and large, my mantra is try to give them very wide parameters, let them learn from their mistakes, and they'll grow much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Do your managers have budgets that they have to live with? We have living budgets. So they're, uh, they're certainly given goals mm-hmm. in terms of uh, sales numbers and expenses and what have you, but... I've never been a big fan of locking these things in. When they come to me with an idea and it's going to cost some money, they have an obligation to sell me to spend the money. So if we go over budget on something, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. As long as um, you know the overall picture is in good shape, we're, we give them some latitude on that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we talk to your people and ask them uh, about the culture of your organization, uh, sales culture, what are the top three things that your people would report back to me? Fun, fun. First, uh, we try to have some fun uh, in a sale. I mean, if you can't if you can't have fun in a baseball organization, you shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely try to work hard and play hard. You have to remember these are in the summer. It's long hours. We're there all business day, and then on game days, we're there till midnight. Really? Not only do we have baseball being played there for three hours, but typically we have post-game activities. That Thursday night you were there, there mm-hmm. was a band there till 11, 1130. Yeah, I didn't Playing afterwards, of course, but we do. Okay. Uh, so it's a long, long day. Uh, and when you have a six- or nine-game homestand, it's a bunch of long days in a row. Mm-hmm. So we've got to find ways, when they're working so hard, for them to also have fun. And when you're dealing with young people, uh, sometimes that can be a challenge to figure out not only, you know, that for them, not so much for them to have fun, but to have them stop having fun when it's time to work. Mm-hmm. So mixing those two is very important in our world, but a challenge as well. Uh, the second would be, I, I think they feel, I think they feel very strongly I've given them the tools in order to be successful. I come from an organization that was very much uh, committed to information technology. In general, the baseball world is not terribly very sophisticated. I've tried to bring some sophistication to our office in terms of teaching them how to use Excel and Word, various office software. Teaching, we we had built a customized ticketing sales database for our folks to use. Mm-hmm. We've tried to put you know spend some money, put our money where our mouth was in terms of be a little more sophisticated than maybe the rest of the teams in our league. Okay, we, we might work out of a phone book. Um, <laughs> So, you know, the, the 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 general rules of how to work in an office don't apply in minor league baseball altogether, and we've tried to bring those back, you know, to our world. Okay. And the third, I guess, would be that um, they can always, I think they feel, I have a lot of different backgrounds in sales and sales management, so I think they feel comfortable coming and asking me about challenges uh, that they're facing and, and us talking through how to, you know, how to, uh, get through those challenges. Mm-hmm. We do work with sales management people. So uh, our league, as a league, we work with a with a particular guy, and um, that has been had some spotty successes as well in terms of being able to use them. Um, but 
by and large, I think, you know, we have a very upbeat organization. You know, there's a book out there called Marketing Outrageously, and it was written by a gentleman in the minor league baseball business. Yes, Balestra. Absolutely, and we believe in that. Everybody's required reading for everybody on our staff. Uh, it's an important uh, philosophy for us. If you looked in the training room, you'll see a copy of his book where Absolutely. he's got the sumo wrestler playing uh, basketball. Correct. And, you know, we fixed the... Uh, the captains. The, cap- the Shreveport right. Swamp Dragons. Right. You'll see one of the Swamp Dragon heads on my podium uh, by Lorraine instead of, instead of Spalestra. Uh, it was a, a, a remarkable experience. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, being here today. Clint, and uh, as a gift for you, I have a million dollars. Everyone that works with me gets a million dollars. <laughs> Thank you. And a copy of uh, our Sandler book, uh, The 49 Sandler Rules. Okay. And in there you'll find a copy of our training calendar and a free pass for you and your, your, your sales manager to come to a sales management class or a sales class with the training calendar in there. We do four, I do 40 hours of uh, training a month here in our Cincinnati Training Center. We'll definitely take you up on that. Definitely love to have you. Uh, thanks again for coming. Uh, tomorrow's show, uh, at 4 o'clock, we're going to have uh, Pat Clements from Pinnacle. Uh, Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.